audio never sounded so good. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. In this Campbell podcast. Indeed, the voice that you hear, BC, back with a bang, back from the grave that was. Little battles with flu and pneumonia over the holiday season. So happy to be back. So blessed to be back from that. And back for an optimistic new year of pro wrestling coverage in 2020. And back with my voice on the show that has my name just how you like it, folks. I run this show around here, not you, Jack. I think so many of the listeners who reached out to me, not just uh, going through a wild December, folks, all right? Uh, Traveling a lot, covering boxing and MMA, illness throughout the holidays, and you heard it here first, my disinterest, my anger, because it's still real to me, damn it. It really is. I love this genre so much. My disassociation with WWE main roster creative. I took the L last week and I meant it. Uh, I, I think I'm reformed. I think I'm back. The break did me good. I apologize once again. A lot of haters out there. They called me out. But you can do that in a family that trusts in each other and believes in each other. What do we got over here? Well, we had a couple of haters. <laughs> Enzo. <laughs> Real one. Amore. And they were right. Your boy BC was taking it a little bit too hard. Was becoming, um, I don't know, an anchor in the wrong ways. The fifth wheel on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Debbie Downer to Monday Night Raw. Well, thank you, John. But but I'm back. I'm back, baby. And uh, I got a five-word promise for you, okay? Um, I will be there for you, right? These five words, I I swear to you, I'm going to bring it. This calendar year, I'm going to absolutely bring it in the world of pro wrestling coverage and be that guy who used to be that guy who you used to like listening to. I'm fired up for it. There's too much wrestling to like these days to get too caught up in the things we don't. But this new year has given me new, fresh perspective. I'm excited about making the State of Combat podcast the best audio experience. It can't possibly be an industry leader. And, of course, the one and only show that can inject you with an unmistakable, unbreakable, untraceable performance-enhancing audio. How am I going to do that? Change up the format a little. You're still going to hear a lot of the usual suspects, the guys you have grown to know and love. Adam Silverstein, the Silver King. He'll be back this week. Gentleman Jack Crosby as well. Be sprinkling, rotating in a couple other new voices from time to time, reaching out to new guests, doing different things. But the old standard, the old standby will be your boy, BC. Being honest here, the anxiety was getting to me of where we're at entering 2020 here and the amount of wrestling that we are expected to try to find the time to watch, to be at this level, to have discussions of this level. Sometimes it gets overwhelming. But then you look at what happened this past Sunday. I'm going to chat about it with Jack Crosby later in the show, but a UK NXT takeover that just blew our socks off. I didn't want to find the time. I forced it in, and I loved it. And I think it's it's going to be a new, with this much content out there, with this many promotions thriving and this many shows competing against each other, pro wrestling is going to have to be covered in a different way. It's going to have to be handled from our fandom in a different way. We just can't watch everything. And that's the truth. And sometimes we want to be completists on everything. 
But uh, I personally cover three sports. The guys who work on this show cover multiple different sports. You guys have a lot going on in your life, but I am dedicated each week. If I didn't watch it, if I'm not the expert, I'll bring on the experts who did to break it down. You're going to hear my opinions, my two cents, the things I loved, all the fun and games that you have become accustomed to on this show, all the voices you love to hear. But I'm excited about the new year, and I appreciate everybody who got had my back, who was fighting for me to uh, to find that spark again. And, uh, you know, in, in, in the midst of all the travel and the illness, uh, seasonal winter depression sometimes can be a thing. So uh, take that seriously, if that can be a bother some to you, as it often is to me during the winters. But uh, it's a battle we can win. It's a battle we can win. Indeed, we can still play gross sound drops on the show. You pay. You go to come in my, on my bus all the time. No, no, Andre. I would never. I would never think that. So uh, shout out to my to my boys, my old school brethren, the Peter Rosenbergs, the Stack Guy Gregs of the world, who every so often give you a new, new cheapy, a new era. Maybe this is the new SOC relaunch and era. I know we, we you know, we previously did that. We went from ITC to SOC, but maybe this is the new, new, new state of combat. Oh, yeah. Wow, man, I love that beat. Seriously, like the most iconic, like, uh, stretched out guitar riff of all time. New, 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 new state of combat. Maybe not the exact red and black lumberjack with the hat to match podcast that i threatened to launch many times when i no longer could handle raw and smackdown there but just the same oh yeah oh yeah let me put on my lumberjack like conan and put on my uh my kevin nash uh sideways bandana there tupac style but uh the point is here fired up feeling it as always ready to do some damage here and uh a reminder we want the state of combat to be your audio home on all things fights we're talking about pro wrestling mma boxing separate episodes each and every week bonus audio interview specials check out our weekly boxing show it's a wild time with myself and my best friend in the world of box new york times best-selling author and the athletic.com's rafe bartholomew Hey, we look at this serious sport from a not-so-serious way and have a lot of fun doing it, getting you fired up for the big fights. And this weekend, I know you already know, it's Cowboy Connor time, the return of Connor McGregor at UFC 246. And you better believe the state of combat has you covered. Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans and I will break down the card at length in this week's show. And Friday, I'm going to be on the ground in Las Vegas giving you the Media Day bonus interview special all the big names and the and your boy BC getting you fired up. Instant analysis time after the card late Saturday, early Sunday, going the extra mile for you. Uh, you can you can unsubscribe from everyone else, okay? Because this is the SOC. This is your time to shine with your boy BC. Maybe stay subscribed to my friends, okay? You know the man who made fine footwear there over there at the Ringer, David Shoemaker, my boys at Cheap Heat as well. All right. And uh, just shout out to this audience, okay? Shout out to our community that we've built here. I love all you guys. So that's what I'm talking about. Loaded show for you today on all things, all wrestling promotions across the board. But uh, it's not just UFC 246 week. It's not just WWE, you know, week and a half out from the Royal Rumble. Big news in college football. I'm sure you all saw Monday night LSU becoming the undisputed national champion. And as you already know, 
College football season may be over, but CBS Sports will is not done giving you the audio you crave and deserve when it comes to college football. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Cover 3 podcast, your place for the best coverage in the sport. Chip Patterson, Tom Fornelli, have you covered with all the post-title game coverage you can imagine as they spin things forward to what should be a wild offseason setting the stage for next year go and download and listen to the cover three podcast anywhere podcasts are found and tell them bc sent you all right after the break after a pause for the cause as we listen to our friends and sponsors i'm gonna be back to start off 2020 the way it should be positively hit you up with my feel spots right off the start start touch on a little bit of the latest breaking news and then we'll toss it over to some of my Friends in the game, you're going to hear from the Silver King breaking down all things Raw and SmackDown as we set this stage. Raw is on fire. He was right. Who is Brock and Roman going to face at Mania? What will next week's Rumble tell us? We're going to get into that. A little bit of faction action going on in WWE proper as well. And gentlemen, Jack Crosby is going to hit me up with the state of the union on all things AEW booking. Where we're at with NXT this week, UK and beyond. Gonna have some fun chats there. But it's all gonna start as we dip our hands in there and invade the feel hole, find out what popped me this week. On the other side, enjoy. Dig it. And we're back. Your boy BC fired up for all things professional wrestling this week. Uh, I caught up. I spent a lot of time. I invested this weekend. I watched this week's SmackDown and Raw. I went skim style through the big moments on NXT TakeOver UK and I watched legitimately like five six seven AEW episodes in a row to make sure I was as caught up as I can be you know sniffed around there at NXT as well to get refreshed and uh, I'm in a good spot right now in my fandom I'm excited about a lot of things that went down but you want to talk about what hit the siren for me this week talk about field spot invasions guys raw had some moments here raw had some moments here kevin owens doing parkour off the ramp in this fist fight to close the show that was a moment i i felt that i'm still feeling that you feel that I felt it in my bones innovative fun really good spot and him running up that curved ramp like the prime minister of parkour or whatever they used to call John Morrison, uh, it's really reminiscent. I don't know how many people who grew up like me watching pro wrestling in the 80s also watched that rehab attempt they did to put out that syndicated weekly roller derby show called Roller Games. You remember that? What they did was take the traditional roller derby concept with that circular uh, setup there. And they added this little side ramp half pipe skateboard looking thing where you could get bonus points. You could break off from the traditional going around the circle. And look, roller derby is is fake. So it's pro wrestling. Basically, they had all the teams with the characters. There was obvious heels and villains. It was really aimed at the young market who was eating up uh, pro wrestling each and every Saturday morning. And when they went over that bonus ramp, it was like they were ollieing off the side to see how high they could get. And right when I saw Kevin Owens do that, it was like flashback to right there. So please holler if you hear me. I think you can still find some reruns on YouTube, but it's one of those things like from your youth that you wonder sometimes if you made it up, right? If you actually watched it, if you actually lived it or you made it up, 
like a lot of those great shows back then, uh, thank you for YouTube to bring this back to prove that there actually was a show called Funhouse with J.D. Roth that I came home every day after school in third and fourth grade and watched and ate up. But uh, shout out to Kevin Owens on that. And obviously, look, I got the the tweets, the DMs, the texts even from people who are like, oh, my God, to end Raw. This is BC's moment. This is his feel spot explosion, not just for himself, but for his dog, Sasha. From the moment we saw him, we thought, sex. Oh, yeah. Buddy Murphy, who, guys, he went at it in that bout with Alistair Black and lost, but it was a spot fest. It was great. It was hard hitting. It was everything. And you talk about really good storytelling for him to sit on the side of the ring downtrodden and not get up and the next match starts and then he joins seth rollins's new faction gonna have a lot more to talk about this with adam silverstein later in the show but you want to just pop for wwe and paul Heyman understanding what they have in buddy murphy yes he hasn't consistently got great booking but they've put him in places to shine ever since he came up from 205 live and really made this move and you, uh, yeah, we have a faction problem in WWE. They don't go after that. But to put him with a refurbished Seth Rollins, who's really doing well as a heel with the black glove, which is such a nice addition, a new chapter in his character, and to have AOP behind him and to know that, oh, yeah, now we're not only making this faction matter and taking them seriously, but Buddy Murphy seriously as well. Of course, I had a pop for that. What else did I love this week? Raw's interaction between Brock Lesnar and R-Truth. Oh, heck yeah. Give me more of that. What a random and ridiculous segment. And it's and it's it's really a credit to where this era of Raw and Paul Heyman is going. And if, you, if you're sitting here going, hey, BC, weren't you the one who were telling us lately that it was only good and not really good and not great? I was. I'm going to take a little bit of an L later in the show. You can You can hear on that. But the balance of this show is great. And when R-Truth can interrupt what is supposed to be an important Brock Lesnar segment, but you're really just watching Paul Heyman show his craft and stretch it out and freestyle and play with the crowd, and you see R-Truth come in there, and the commitment to selling from Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman to laugh at R-Truth jokes and to give him that form within the context of the creative that they're telling, that's what made it. R-Truth is fantastic. We already know this. I love me some R-Truth. But I haven't fully loved and embraced the entire relaunch of this 24-7 title, right? Separating it from the idea of being a hardcore title, but kind of having similar rules. Sometimes it's been lame. Sometimes it's been fun. Sometimes it's been the kind of fun where you're like, it is lame, but it's so much fun. I got to love it. But our truth is still standing. And this has become, like, oddly enough, his legacy. And, and you can go deeper this week on Sam Roberts' podcast, where I really enjoyed the interview with our truth talking about that at length. And what a segment, man, to have Truth come out and have Brock interact like that. And of course, you know it's going to end with Brock getting his shot in there and taking him out. Well handled. Big time moment. I'm popping big for that. And obviously, NXT TakeOver UK will have a lot more on this later in the show. But that Tyler Bate-Jordan-Devlin match was top shelf. But even more, the crowd's reaction, the chance before that match. Again, I don't care if you love NXT UK. If you love Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin, if you love, if you don't, if you don't even love pro wrestling, you can't watch that and not 
become intoxicated and feel like something big is happening here. I don't know what, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I need a taste of it. I need to be part of where this is going. What else did I love this week? What else popped me? You know, I play it all the time. We have weird and gross sound drops on this podcast. Where's Magnum? Let me get Magnum over here. And tell A. Blanchard, you can't run and hide from me anymore. And when we come to Philadelphia this time, there's going to be no mistaking what's going to happen. I'm going to come on you like nobody's ever come on you before. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Terry Allen, back the heck up, brother. All right, hold on a second. But yet we added another uh, sound piece to the lexicon, another moment, if you will. And that is a moment I'd live for. Wait, Liv, I don't know. You got to hear the sound for it. I, I would risk it all if, if that's what you're wondering or asking uh rusev this week a part of that extended marriage lashley lana live thing that is actually going in a decent direction even though i've loathed most of it to get to this point rusev giving us a hall of fame drop of randomness i don't care you come in my face i'm gonna punch you wow wow rusev wow okay i mean Wow. All right. I, I have no comment. I don't think I'm allowed to comment. Whoop, there it is, brother. Whoop, there it is. Thank you, Tony. Uh, yes, I popped big for that moment. How could you not? Like 15 people sent me the sound right afterwards. Uh, absolutely. You know what else I popped for this week? NXT. Johnny Gargano cutting a promo on Finn Balor. Finn coming out to respond and the feels level just raising as the temperature in that building gets up and you go, oh my God, we're really doing this. I can't wait to see eventually what a Johnny Gargano, Finn Balor, NXT TakeOver match will look like when Johnny TakeOver, Johnny Amazing, Johnny Everything, Johnny 28 Stars gets out there and messes with Ferg and mixes together and cross-pollinates. Are you kidding me? Loved the promo from Gargano. Love that this is like a secondary feud right now. Sneaky, sneaky. I'm a still a little bit behind NXT. I did watch this week. I still have to go back and catch up on three, four, five episodes I mixed and definitely did miss that uh, Adam Cole Finn Balor match on TV that I heard was great, and I still want to get a chance to see. But, wow. We wanted... Big time stars to come down, so to speak, although it's really now becoming a lateral move. And I like I just want to see Finn against everybody and to start this off in the new year. And this is what you're giving us. Uh, What is the next one? Takeover Portland or whatever it is. uh, Takeover. uh, It's not going to be Rumble. Yeah. Takeover. Give it to me. Give it to me right now. Give me exactly what I want. Give me what I need. Uh, The ending has to be happy. I'm ready. I love a happy ending. (laughs) Well, we all do. But uh, I'm, I'm ready for that. I love it. Uh, final feel spot moment of the week. Um, got a lot of nice things to say about WWE proper this week. How about Raw and how about the man, Becky Lynch, selling the absolute ish out of the Oscar green mist spray after that contract negotiation? We knew how the contract thing would end. They all in that way, right? We knew it, obviously. But the segment was well handled. They were both intense and ready. And we're going through this storyline of Becky kind of doubting herself. I've never seen Becky go to that level to put over what happened to her. We've seen the green mist go lately. We've seen Charlotte get green misted and sort of act, you know, oh my God, what's going on? But Becky was acting like her eyeballs were burning and about to fall out. The screaming, the crying. uh, It was like, wait, did I miss something? And this is real? Like, is this really happening? Could she lose her eyesight? Barely, rarely does it get to that level these days like it did back in the 80s and 90s when it was still kind of half real and they were still and they were certainly always presenting it as real 
And that's just great acting. And for her to cut that promo afterwards and battled, fired up. Look, you want to talk about uh, a feud as we enter this new year that I can't wait. I can't wait to see the conclusion. I can't wait to see where it's going. I can't wait to see where each person bounces off and rolls off of that. This is big business, and I'm fired up, and I'm ready for it. All right. A couple pieces of business and news and notes. I'm going to have much more on the back end at the end of the show after we talk to the Silver King, after we talk to Outback Jack. I'm going to have some final thoughts on some big topics, Tessa Blanchard, all of that. Marty Skrull, you're going to hear all that stuff. But for now, a couple of news and notes. WWE ice cream bars are back. This popped a lot of people who, of course, have that childhood connection back in the day. The difference seems now is they got rid of the stick. And that seems like a monster fail. I don't want to commit to to hating on it before I get a chance. I'm so pumped that they're back. Um, I don't want to say they missed me. But it's, it always feel like people that were like one or two years younger than me popped for these more. But I certainly was of an age when they originally came out that, that you know, I went looking for them. I loved them. I enjoyed them. They're certainly iconic. I don't know why you get rid of the stick. Maybe it's 40 years later, you're trying to start something new. I'm not a big ice cream sandwich bar fan. Maybe some of it is the stick's not there. I know people are different. My wife, she can't have anything. She can't have popsicles. She can't have anything with a stick. Grosses her out. Nails on a chalkboard feeling. But uh, the sticker, stick not, whatever the heck that means. Um, this is really cool. And it brings back to such a pure time in our wrestling fandom. Like I said, I remember going to Stop and Shop in Naugatuck, Connecticut every week to do grocery shopping with my mom. And I had two things in mind and nothing, three things and nothing else. And all three had to do with pro wrestling. Here's sort of the, the loop I would go on. You start off walking next to your mom, you're shopping, and then you're like, hold on a second, I'm going to go look for this, I'll catch up with you later, and here's the order that you went. Right to the magazine rack number one, because you had to see The Wrestler, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, WWE Magazine, whatever, you know, every see what they had, what the new ones were, who was on the cover, what was on the inside, could I talk my mom into buying this for me? When I was finally done there, or I felt like I had to get back in time I'd head over to the freezers, and that's where you'd look to see, do they have WWE ice cream? It was always inconsistent at Stop and Shop. It was always like, and back then, that was the only grocery store in town, if I recall. So it was always, you know, they'd have it some weeks. You'd ask the guy. They wouldn't have it for a couple months. But when you had them, and you opened it up, and you get Randy Savage. I mean, it was, just, it was great. It was great. The third thing I did, by the way, and I think people forget the impact and the meaning of what Saturday night's main event met, meant in the mid to late 80s WWF fandom when you only had wrestlemania or then they added in SummerSlam, or you know eventually you know Royal rumble and all that but like it's survivor series but to start it was just wrestlemania so the saturday night's main event shows that were quarterly on nbc were really like mini pay-per-views at best they were mini pay-per-views at worst they were like a go home to set up the pay-per-view and i would go to the tv guide and grab it because I know my mom would buy it every week. And go, and I had no concept that TV Guide was replacing Saturday Night Live in that time slot every couple months. I didn't know it. It's like weird. Even though it was quarterly, I, I was just always every week grabbed it and opened it hoping it would be there. Just like, remember that one time in 1985, Hulk Hogan was on the cover of Sports Illustrated because wrestling had just taken off so much. I remember seeing that in the store 
and I checked every week for Sports Illustrated to see if they had WWE coverage, WWF coverage, and they didn't, and I never understood why because I was a young kid. But I'd look every single week and go, oh, please tell me, no Saturday Night Live, please, 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 and just hope that it said Saturday Night's main event because obviously you didn't have the internet. You weren't dialed in to that level. But those Saturday Night main events were just amazing. They were absolutely amazing. I love going back on the network and checking them out. Ice cream bars giving me those old feels. Uh, we had a little bit of a discussion last week. I'm saying Jericho's 2019 through the roof. Amazing for his age. That maybe we need to reconsider him as like a top 10 all-time talent. And I threw out there, I think he's better than Cena all-time. And certainly you're debating different things there because one thing Cena has going for him was being on top for more than a decade and being such a high-level, almost Hogan-esque star for so long, having such an impact with kids, charity, and all that. And then, obviously, like improving and evolving along the way that he actually became Big Match John and actually could deliver. He wasn't just a guy who put faces on T-shirts. He's got a great, amazing career. And I'm basically saying Jericho's so creative and so had so much time put in and so many changes that maybe he's even better. And maybe he is. And it's a crazy debate. And again, no one's top 10 greatest wrestlers of all time is an exact science. To some people, it's a ridiculous even conversation. I care about stuff like this, okay? I update my, I sort of feel. And for me, entering 2016 WWE when Chris Jericho was about to launch that run with Kevin Owens that led to the Festival of Friendship that was some of the best work he'd ever done, I considered him in that mid-15, back end of the top 20, on par with the peers, with the Bret Hart's, with the Kurt Angles, people that you said, great workers or great wrestlers. But they didn't carry the ball. They weren't leading solo men. I know, obviously, Bret Hart was for a little bit, but certainly that was in many debates I've had on many podcasts about that was the worst time business-wise in WWE history. But the whole point is I never considered Chris Jericho a leading man. I always thought he had an interesting legacy. Yes, I know he beat The Rock and Stone Cold on the same night. Yes, I know he had moments where he elevated to the very top and, and main evented a WrestleMania. But to me, he was always sort of a secondary supporting player. Maybe he could end up with the legacy as the best small guy ever who was able to evolve and become something much larger. But you take that Festival of Friendship run, you add in the, the reinvention in New Japan and then being on top of AEW in such a fertile time and then doing arguably some of the best work of his career and almost carrying that show to some degree in terms of the best segments and the most must watch. That's leading man stuff. And maybe he's a little bit of a compiler. I guess you can call anybody a compiler who's been there for so long, but he doesn't, he's not really a compiler. He's evolved and changed and done so many different things that he's, He's sneaking into that top 10, and it's crazy. And then I asked myself, if I'm being honest about my top 10, and it's, by the way, so hard to invade that top 10 or top 5 because you're going up against genre changers, industry changers, era changers like the Hogan's, the Stone Cold's, the Rock's, guys just on that level. And you're competing against guys like a Randy Savage who maybe wasn't on the tippity-top as long as others. But you can look at their, him and say, this guy's got a an argument for being, when he was at his best, among the absolute greatest of all time. Shawn Michaels, another guy in those kind of conversations. What are we going to do with Brock Lesnar in this conversation? And it sort of spawned off of the debate that we have had about Lesnar. Is he really the wrestler of the 2010s? Yeah, I guess he kind of is. Thank you, Steve Austin, for saying that on this podcast. Where would Brock fit? 
fit into this kind of discussion because the one thing he has going for him is always being a leading man, always being a unique special attraction in an era where it's very hard to be that. Always doing big business, the crossover back and forth, the UFC carrying with him so much gravitas, so different, so powerful, so like must see when he comes out, even if you're sick of him, even if you're tired of him, every time you hear, oh, Brock's back in Raw this week, yeah, I got to check it out. I don't know. I don't actually know where we're right now we would put him and where eventually we will after he plays out his 40s. But it's interesting. He's got a shot at, you know, getting close to that top five and a better shot than almost anybody because of those certain intangibles when it comes to comparing somebody, right? Like guys like like a Flair and a Michaels and a Savage, they get higher creed for being such amazing workers, even though obviously Flair was you know, as big of anybody as a draw on a face, but it, meaning a face of a franchise type of deal. But it's just all an interesting debate. Just wanted to throw that out there. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's it, folks. That's it. We're going to come back on the back end with Adam Silverstein, breaking down all things Raw and SmackDown. Get fired up. Let's do this thing. Enjoy. I said it last week. I'll say it again, guys. 2020. Is the year, well, this you could call this new, you can call the State of Combat Balor Club, right? All takes are welcomed. 2020 is also the year that we heed Nick Costos' advice. Take the L and admit you're wrong because you sound ridiculous. Keep that in mind as I bring in the man you know and love, WWE and NXTW. NXTW, good lord, lover for life. <laughs> Let's bring in the bad guy. Say- Hello to the bad guy. In a New Orleans hotel room, national championship, college football, the site of WrestleMania 30 and 34. Silver King, how the heck are you on the road? Hey now, yeah, once again, checking in from the road here, and look, everything about New Orleans, BC, is pretty great. You remember we were here, we saw Victor Vapen on the street, oh, we yeah. saw some we saw some craziness with some wrestling fans on Bourbon Street and around New Orleans, um, but dude, I will repeat this, it's the same thing I said after WrestleMania, what was it, 34, you said, um, the Superdome press box is the coldest place <laughs> on earth, you literally have an entire 78,000-seat arena's air conditioning directly blowing on you as a media member. And it sucks to complain about it, you know, but it is true. I am still an icebox 12 hours after the game. Colder than a witch's tiot there, Adam yes. Silverstein. Um, yes. Man, I got a lot to talk to you about. I mentioned the Nick Costos line off the top. Look, second week in a row, I'm going to take that L, Adam Silverstein, for weeks, you've been saying this. Hey, guy, Ross not only getting better. Ross pretty great. Heyman doing something over there. I almost didn't want to believe it. I'm not going to sit here and say all those shows I said were pretty good were actually great. But this week on Raw, now that I have a have 2020 vision for pro wrestling, now that I'm ready to absorb and eat again under Vince McMahon's restaurant, I'm going to take the L, Adam Silverstein. Raw's going in the hell yeah direction at the moment. Yeah, it's just remembering that you're never going to get a three-hour show where every single segment is that top five-star level. And and remembering that even during the Attitude Era, even on go-home WrestleMania shows, 
there were still moments that weren't very good. And it's also knowing that watching NXT, you're going to get a squash that's kind of boring. And watching AEW, there's going to be segments that are straight up bad, just like there are in WWE. So you're never going to get that. But what Raw has been doing, what Paul Heyman has been doing, as we've discussed over the last couple of months, has been building these storylines and NBC doing a lot of things that we've been asking them to do. Long-term storytelling, things that make sense. The Buddy Murphy thing's a great example of it. That is something they clearly had in mind for at minimum four weeks, but probably even longer than that. So I just continue to be insanely impressed by what Raw is putting out. That doesn't mean SmackDown's doing the same thing. <laughs> I did actually watch. SmackDown might not be for anybody, but I did watch it this week. Uh, I love the balance on Raw between, okay, now it's time for really great wrestling. Now it's yes. time for Eric Rowan yeah. ridiculousness, now, you know, which is like a throwback to the 80s and early 90s. Now it's time for this Jerry Springer storyline. Oh, now it's time for big boy stuff, Seth Rollins and this faction. And I want to start right here because nobody loves him a faction more yeah. than Adam Silver King. And we saw, in a way, contrasting factions to close SmackDown and Raw. SmackDown, it's the, the Knights of Corbin, whatever you want to call them, whatever the hell's going on there. Bob Robert Roode back in the picture. By the way, anyone that comes back from a wellness policy looking more tanned and jacked than ever, I'm all in on that. <laughs> How do you sort of balance what you saw with Corbin's quasi-faction and what the hell we saw, which I opened this show popping about, Buddy Murphy's with the damn black glove Seth Rollins and the AOP here? I, what are your feels on this? It's so funny. It's so funny you said that about Bobby Roode because it's like he inhabited EC3's body and then returned. <laughs> I was I was just as shocked. I was like, "Who the hell is this dude?" Not that he's not jacked otherwise, but man, that was crazy. Um, it it's not just so much that I love factions, which you know I do, but it's that there's been such a dearth of them on the main roster over the last ten years. Really, like I mean, someone would probably point out an example of one that I'm missing. But really, since like evolution, like like we haven't actually had someone put something together that matters, that wins all the big titles, and that is do a dominant force. And I'm not counting the what was the international one that they put together League with of like Nations, which by the way, Corbin Squad Friday night was very League of Nations. Yes, and that was a faction, but again, it was you know they didn't really accomplish much of anything. Nexus didn't really accomplish much of anything. Um, so you guys know my definition of factions, BC. You know more than anyone, not. Three, that's a group. The New, New Day is a group. The Shield was a group, but four. And what we got on Monday night is four. Um, Buddy Murphy, I mean, hit the, the sirens and hit the Sasha Banks barking, or not Sasha Banks, Sasha the dog barking. Uh, this is our guy linking up with my other guy in Seth Rollins in an extremely well-told story of being completely unable to beat this one fantastic wrestler, extremely talented guy in Aleister Black, looking down and out, and you have this other guy calling himself the Messiah, but without the religious overtones, kind of bringing him in in the heat of the moment into this group and creating a faction. And I think you look over at SmackDown, and it's, it's a great microcosm of the difference between Raw and SmackDown, BC. On Raw, it makes total sense. They were all wearing black and white. You know, Rollins had the devious look on his eyes. He was bringing him in and, and seducing him. On SmackDown, you have guys helping Baron Corbin for no reason. You have the Revival, who one day is with Randy Orton, you know, previously when they were on Raw, doing FTRKO, which was great. And then they kind of go to SmackDown. They helped Corbin once, but that hasn't happened in three weeks. 
And now all of a sudden, Bobby Roode's back and they're back and they have a five-person conglomeration that it doesn't have a name you don't think is going to go anywhere. You can't trust to go anywhere. And it's just like they did it just to get over on Roman Reigns. Yeah, you nailed that perfectly. Where one feels like it matters, the Knights of Corbin or Corbin's Corner, whatever we're calling this, shout out to West Hartford, Connecticut, which has a section called Corbin's Corner. Um, It feels very League of Nations. It feels very, what are we doing? Do you feel simultaneously on SmackDown that we're almost getting a Samoan shield here? It's not a faction. It's a, it's a group, maybe. But are we almost getting a Samoan shield with Roman and the Usos? Because I want to interject and say, this is about as cool as Roman has looked in a long-ass time. Coming back from cancer notwithstanding, which was about as cool and inspirational, this is cool as ish. And they looked cool, too. The Usos had you know new haircuts. Uh, they were dressing a little bit different, even from their last run. So they've re- it seems like they ha- have already reinvented themselves a little bit. And we're going to find out on Backstage. They're doing an interview uh, on that FS1 show with Renee Young, and I'm very curious to see what, what comes out from that. But I think that Bloodline faction, BC, I mean, it's always been there. And they just haven't gone to it. Why? Because they, they, they go to it, they insert the Usos every time they feel Roman needs a bump from a face because he's getting booed. Well, this time he's getting completely over. So now you bring back the second most over tag team in the company behind New Day with, honestly, maybe the most over face now in Roman Reigns, which they've done a great job rehabbing him. But it doesn't feel like it's enough. It feels like it's enough to combat this team that Corbin's created because they want to stretch this storyline as long as they can until Roman wins the Royal Rumble or whatever happens. But it's kind of like, I wouldn't mind Tamina joining. I wouldn't mind. I'm forgetting the brother or cousin. That's a faction. Can we get, well, if you get Tamina, I I don't, I forgot BC. You may remember there was like a brother or cousin of reigns who had a single match on raw, like six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. If you add, bring him back, bring another Samoan in. And now you have something where it's like, man, Roman's leading this really good guy group. Tamina starts getting cheers and it's going somewhere. But right now it's just. Well, WWE's got to put the ring on because we've seen what could have been factions that didn't go anywhere. Remember Shane McMahon with the revival. Right. And Drew McIntyre. And you're like, wow, if you give him a name, I'll buy the t-shirt today. I'll buy the Samoan Shield t-shirt today. I don't know if they're doing that. But what really matters here is Buddy Murphy, Raw, Rollins, and AOP. So what does this change in storyline mean to you as we enter Mania season, considering that Rollins got used in 2019, you know, maybe as it, maybe got the second biggest push in the entire company that year, going over Lesnar twice on the two biggest shows? What does Murphy's involvement mean for Mania? Well, I think it tells me what we kind of already knew, it more cements it, that he is not going to be involved in the title picture. They are setting up another match, whether it is Randy Orton, whether it's Aleister Black, um, whether it's Drew McIntyre, they are setting something else up for Seth Rollins. My hope is, obviously, that it's not a six-man or eight-man tag. And that's not to say that they couldn't do a good job with one, because on Raw, they do have those horses, right? But it says that, you know, we made him champion. He was it, he was watered down as champion, our fault, uh, you know, from booking. We then ruined him with The Fiend. Um, and now we've recognized he needs to be healed. If you notice, he had the glove back, oh, single black glove. Love it. Um, but yeah, I think I think they do have a specific plan for him at WrestleMania, but it simply cannot involve the main championship. And the U.S. title picture, as you can see, it looks like it's going through Andrade. I don't know who they're building for that, but maybe mm-hmm. that's a McIntyre situation. Maybe that's just another 
one of those really good faces on Raw who needs that chance to shine. Uh, if Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins are going to end over the next year in some kind of mega powers right, right. thing, good God. The mega powers are about to explode in my pants well, right now. You know now. where I'm going on that if that's where we're that, going. That's the key thing. What they have done with Buddy Murphy and BC, no one is more happy about that than you and I, right? And no one in probably wrestling media, uh, if you want to call that a thing. They took a guy who was doing nothing on the main roster, who everyone knows is, you can call him a poor man's Kenny Omega, but a younger Kenny Omega, a potentially one day, not necessarily better, but who can reach a similar level in WWE due to his talent. And they took him and they gave him a very simple storyline. I think I'm better than you. I'm going to prove it. And I'm going to use any means necessary to prove it. Failing at it, having a crisis of consciousness, confidence is probably the better word, and then being you know, picked up by this group. And yeah, it's going to happen again at some point, as long as they stick with it, there will be a Rollins, Buddy Murphy blow off. And holy, I'm going to use the word, holy shit when that happens, because that means we're going to get a Rollins, Buddy Murphy match. And nothing's better than that. I mean, black maybe, but they just did it. And by the way, that I got to give him credit, that black Buddy match this week on Raw Near falls, big spots. I mean, that gave me what the hell I wanted. Dude, they're doing it on Raw. You're right. I don't know if it's just because it's Mania season, but BC's bought in. I'm ready. I'm ready to explode. Heck, I'll tell you this. Watch SmackDown. Yeah, it's 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 not for me. Ah, I was kind of entertained, though. I don't know if it was because I was throwing down IPAs. By the way, Dogfish Head, I'm not usually a big fan. They have this American Beauty IPA with a Grateful yeah. Dead kind of shout out. Yep. Anyway, that's a top shelf beer. I was going deep on that during SmackDown. That's one of their better, um, one of their better uh, offerings. I actually had, I tweeted it, a beer called Apex Predator uh, here in New Orleans out of a Chicago brewery, and it was incredible. Like, actually great as a pale ale. Really, really good. Um, Hoppy pale thing, ales are underrated. Yes, yes. The thing, the thing about the Buddy Murphy thing, though, BC, also is. If that that's not a storyline that they never could have done previously without Heyman, they could have. But the difference is they would have had him be dejected, go backstage, and then two weeks sit there pouting, you know, them trying to interview him, buddy, what are you going to do? And then he joins them, right? Instead, they kept him at ringside three segments and kept him in the same spot. They tried to do the interview live in the arena. They had him almost get uh, run over in a match, and then. At the end, when Rollins needs him the most, he turns him and he doesn't join right away. He takes a moment to think about it, figures out the situation, and goes. So it's those minor details in the storytelling. It's them knowing to have Rey Mysterio and Andrade do interviews back-to-back in separate parts of the arena that look totally different um, backstage uh, to combat each other. Paul Heyman is doing a lot of real sports things without it being sports, without WWE trying to go the AEW route of, we're going to keep records and confuse you with rankings and things like that. They are making Raw feel like it matters again. And we haven't really truly felt that way in like three years, probably. I love it. I love it. All right. We are right now as we record this, maybe 10, 11 or so days removed from. It's time to rumble. It's time for the Raw. Pro leaking out of his uh, out of his pores there. Uh, what is the official start date to WrestleMania season in your eyes? I know that's a more complicated question than it sounds because some storylines start earlier. But is it Royal Rumble for you officially? That's the beginning. 
Well, I think for WWE, they denote it by the sign. So it's either the Monday night before the Royal Rumble, the week, the go home week, or the Royal Rumble itself. They hang the sign, you know, with the, this year, the pirate ship logo. Everyone will point to it and mention it. And that's really where it starts. But for me, it's really the coming out of the last pay per view of the prior year and the, the build to the Royal Rumble. Because what they are telling us now is here is who we think are, is important going into our biggest show of the year. They're featuring Orton and Styles and McIntyre. They're featuring Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy and Rollins. Um, obviously, of course, Brock and Reigns, uh, Fiend, Daniel Bryan on the other end. So they're kind of showing you. And one thing WWE is doing well is in prior years, BC, how obvious has the Royal Rumble, how obvious has the Royal Rumble winner either been or how obvious has the swerve been? Meaning like even the year Orton won, it was a final, you know, like we're like, oh yeah, Roman's going to be at the, there at the end. And, and it was, but they just went a different direction. This year, they have built up so many people as legitimate potential yes. Royal Rumble winners that, like, we all expect Reigns to win. But he could do well in that match. Maybe he's the one who eliminates someone and then just challenges the Fiend straight up. Uh, and McIntyre challenges Brock. And then all of a sudden, we have a Drew McIntyre-Brock match at WrestleMania that makes tons of sense. And, you know, we're all there for it. So I'd be in on that. I'd be in on that. I, answer, I kind of answered the question. I went a, went a bit further than that. But... I, because I'm already thinking, when you start thinking about WrestleMania is when the season begins. And for me, that's who's going to win the Royal Rumble, which starts the Royal Rumble. So Bowl I felt it unofficially began for me this week because Raw got me really excited on where things are actually going. Sometimes it can be entertaining without actually moving things along. We know that this week's show hit on all that. Like we mentioned, sometimes Survivor Series can be the start of Mania with a big feud. It, it depends in that regard. Um, quickly, do you think Fox... Uh, okay. We all agree that that SmackDown on Fox has been a disappointment from the idea of of creative and and cashing in on the platform and all that stuff. Do you think Fox will play any sort of role heading into Mania to make it feel bigger that we haven't seen before, given the the fact that they're going to be – don't they have the Super Bowl this year? Like, There's a lot of things building into Mania season. Will Fox be anything that 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 we go, okay, wow, it's better that, that, that Fox is a part of this build? I mean, I thought it was interesting that when they like debuted on SmackDown, one of the features they ran on Fox was like greatest WrestleMania moments. And it was like, yeah, I guess you're getting people excited for WWE with that. But that's kind of a WrestleMania. That's what like USA Network would air prior to WrestleMania to get a little bit of extra content. Right. So I don't know what their schedule looks like. I don't necessarily think March, April is a, a part of the year where they're in a dearth of content or they're not in new live programming. So I don't know that they'll have open spots and stuff. but. um I do think there's the potential that they air additional WWE content, uh, specials like the greatest WrestleMania moments, maybe just replaying that to kind of get people amped up for it. I, there's a vested interest in Fox seeing WWE succeed, right? But it, you look at the show right now, and and look, it's beating Raw every week, as it should, on network TV. Um, people really like it. How uh, bad is it? Being you know, not it? us, but other people do. What's yeah, the? Right? I haven't seen the ratings lately. How close is it? Uh, I mean, it's close, but I, I, I would really have to look. I only really look at the NXT and AEW ra- uh, ratings, but someone will probably tell me I'm wrong, but I think it's like 2.8-ish in that range, and I think Raw has been anywhere from 2.2 to 2.3, which, so SmackDown got a, a big boost being on network TV, like that's legit, but I think they would love to get that over three consistently. You know, that's a big number. So um, I don't know. I think, the, yeah, I think there's every ex- expectation that, there will be some additional promotion, BC, but at the same time, it's like they're not making money off WrestleMania. 
yeah. they don't get to go home. They do get the go home show. They don't get the post. I you mean, know, I, so. I guess we're not going to see like here's a WrestleMania 30 full replay a week before WrestleMania to get you excited maybe. on regular Fox. Maybe. Not that that matters too much maybe, because though. we got maybe, the network, maybe. but. Maybe we'll get a two-hour WrestleMania. Um, I, guess, I don't even know if I want what yeah. I'm asking for because the, when we saw the draft special and we saw Fox oh. doing that, like that stuff was all cringe. So maybe they here, should just stay out. Here's the crazy thing. So like that draft was so bad, right? But everything since it, at least on Raw, has been really damn good that it kind of makes me think like, well, hey, they're going to have to have another draft pretty soon. Maybe after Mania. We might be talking like May here or something like that. Um and I have hope that it would be good this time, that they would learn all their lessons just because of how different and good Raw has been. And even SmackDown, we agree, has not been great, certainly, and has only occasionally been good. But it's been better than it was. No matter what, the product has improved. But uh, Raw is just so much exponentially better than SmackDown. It's Absolutely. crazy. All right, so I said the WrestleMania build begins normally rumble whenever you want. For me today, as as I record this, as for me and my family, we are done with the dirt sheets from now until Mania season. So you're going to have to deal with that, SK. I don't want to hear who melts, thinks <laughs> Roman's going to wrestle at, thing, at Mania, whatever. I do want to have you address one thing as we go, like I said, 10, 11 days, whatever, out from Rumble. Tyson Fury, who has a heavyweight oh. boxing Championship rematch with Deontay Wilder, February 2nd. It's a Fox and ESPN joint pay-per-view. They had a press conference in L.A. on Monday. He's been doing more interviews ahead of this fight. He's regularly saying two things that may interest you. One, that he's masturbating seven times a day to build up his (laughs) testosterone. That actually happened yesterday. Did he actually say that? Two, he's... (laughs) Now, look, he changes his tune on everything, right? He's like, I don't know if he's a liar or he forgets. He's telling people that he's going to wrestle Brock at Mania, and some lower-level sites are printing that as fact. In other interviews, he's saying, after I beat Wilder, I want Lesnar. There's no way on, on in the year of our Lord on God's green earth that that's going to happen, right? If they have the gall, the balls, the cojones to think anyone would want to see a WWE title match between Brock Lesnar and Tyson Fury— in the same 12-month period that they saw Tyson Fury, I don't even who did he fight? It was Strowman. Oh, Braun Strowman. It was awful. And, and, and we saw Cain Velasquez against Lesnar. Neither neither match was good. Neither match was booked well. I do trust Cain has the ability, right? But but the match was horrible. If they think people want more Tyson Fury, they're sadly mistaken. If they think that putting him in a title match is a good idea. They're wrong. Um, I think it's all blowing smoke as boxers are wont to do. Uh, at the same time, there seems to be constant communication and constant um, media uh, responses from both sides, meaning him and Triple H, really, on the WWE side, about how much Tyson Fury loves WWE, how it was such a good fit, how much fun he had doing uh, Blood Money in the Sand. If they want to bring him back for another Blood Money in the Sand and he wants to embarrass himself, that's fine. Uh, those shows are not for anyone. Those are even less for anyone than SmackDown. <laughs> they're just—they're literally just for you know the the Saudi royals. And at, at this point, they're getting ridiculous. Although BC, quick interjection: I think the February 2020 pay per view period is going to be 
a Blood Money in the Sand show. I don't. There oh, is not God, a February no. pay per view scheduled right Stop now. That. So I can't. I can't go down that road. I'm trying. Yeah, 2020 is supposed to be optimistic. All everyone's ideas are supposed to be tolerated. I can't tolerate that. No. Um, how no. about this use of Fury? I don't want to linger on this, but Big Show thought no. he was getting a big WrestleMania date a couple years ago. Who's he supposed? Who he, th- he thought he was getting Shaq, right? It didn't happen. Shaq. Yes. How about oh. a Tyson Fury Big Show boxing match? You know, obviously with with wrestling shenanigans in there because you can sell. That the Big Show's got the biggest damn right hand, size seven inch fist, whatever the hell they were doing during this week's fist fight. By the way, Raw, you entertain me, but don't call it a damn fist fight. It's a it's a six man last man standing team match. Okay, get out of my timeline with this first ever fist fight. That's not bad booking, right? You can use Tyson's personality, especially should he beat Wilder. Here's the thing: uh, two things. One, the fist fight was so good it didn't matter that the rules were convoluted because it was really good. Uh, but I, it does seem, it really does seem like that is what they were building. Big Show Fury. And I don't think they would do it in Saudi three weeks after his actual fight. So if they did save it for Mania and you want to have that as a special attraction and you want to have it in hour one, fine. But Big Show already lost to Mayweather. And Mayweather's better than Fury. I know different weight <laughs> classes. I, I know, I know Fury would beat him in a real fight. I'm, but, but, he already lost to Mayweather. So now you're going to have him lose to Fury, who, even if he had a future in WWE, it's the ceiling is so, like, I'd have low Wilder, on Tyson Ryan. Fury. I'd have Wilder cause the DQ, or Wilder cheat to set up Big Show to knock Fury out with Look, one punch. I, I never, you never want uh, Deontay Wilder to follow through on his threats, right? Because his man? threats are, are <laughs> as extreme as they've ever been. And I don't want him, I'm making it clear, I do not want him to follow through on those threats about Tyson Fury. But if he hurt him bad enough so that he didn't compete at WrestleMania, I'd be okay with that. Oh, wow. Maybe he can hurt Cain Velasquez as well. Uh, Silver King, I want to get... All right. I said I'm not going to read Meltzer or anybody else. So I'm I'm at a perfect spot here where they have me so ready for the Rumble that I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's main eventing WrestleMania. I don't know what those big matches will be. But with Brock's involvement, which has been genius in terms of starting first, I'm even fully sold on title not being on the line to set up whatever the mania feud is going to be. Uh, Is there any chance Brock runs the table, wins the match, and then the lights go out, and then the feed puts him in the mandible claw, and then we go title for title at mania? We had Becky two belts last year. What if we have have a Brock party with both belts this year? Any chance? Because I think that would be such a sports entertainment home run and you don't even have to do a regular match at Mania. You could do some kind of hardcore House of Horrors, BS, whatever you want. Just seeing Brock have to go into that world. Oh, good God, I'm fired up for this. It's just tough because right now Fiend's a heel, right? And even though he got cheers previously, now he's going against Brian. They are clear, clearly saying he's a heel. Brock is definitely a heel. You could make Brock a face. absolutely. In a flip of a switch, you can make him a face very easily. But how do you – someone has to win. Someone would have to take both titles, right? Then you're entering the land of one of the two shows that is paying WWE half a billion dollars or a quarter billion dollars, whatever the numbers are. I'm tired. Uh, doesn't have a champion. Well, you could put a vacate. You could do a tournament. There's you could you could spin it off. You could do. A I'm just I'm just saying. And, and then you're also taking away a big time title match from the show. Would it be great booking? Yes. And I think either result is okay. That it takes someone the level of Lesnar to beat the Fiend, or the Fiend is so powerful and strong that even Brock Lesnar can't beat him. Both are good stories if they told them. I just, 
while I actually, as of today, as I'm sitting here, would trust WWE to book it properly, just based on the last couple of weeks, last couple of months of their booking, I would trust them to book it properly. It seems like they have too much of a good thing going with Roman Reigns on SmackDown to squander it. Right now, you can put Reigns over Fiend. People will cheer. It'll work. You couldn't have said that six months ago. Uh, 10, 11 days out from Rumble. Give me your Silver King thoughts on who Brock faces at Mania and who Roman does. Um, I'm going to go with the expectation. So Roman Reigns and the Fiend. It makes too much sense to me. I don't know who else is on that SmackDown roster that is big enough and important enough to get him. Maybe Braun Strowman. I think he's going to win the Intercontinental title at the Rumble. But I, I think you have to go with Roman Reigns. On Raw, I legitimately don't know. And that is why it's legitimately exciting. I don't think it would be Kevin Owens. I don't think the, that matchup is good. The, on the mic, Owens and Heyman, great. In the ring, as a main event, doesn't look right to me. Don't know why. Not even doesn't. a 10-minute car wreck. If Owens gets wrecked. But then he'll have gotten wrecked by you know Goldberg and Lesnar in like two out of the last three years, you know. Um, so that who does that leave us with? Alistair Black or Drew McIntyre or Samoa Joe? It's not going to be Joe. So Black or McIntyre? Are they gonna are they gonna actually whip it out and put one of those guys in a match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Wow! Wow! I don't. Do know they call up every dude, time they, we think Vince is ready to? anoint and elevate somebody who we think is deserving, he goes back to the trusted, tried, and true. Who would that be, though? I don't Reigns know, because you have AJ and, and Orton matched up now, and those are two of the trusted, tried, and true. And if they're going against each other, where does Daniel Bryan fit in this? Blah, blah, you blah. Could, you could do Orton. People are also kind of asking, hey, NXT hasn't done much with Matt Riddle. Do you pull that trigger? Can you elevate Riddle? In the same amount of time you elevated Jack Swagger back in the day, to come back with a new gimmick in January, or in this case, debut on the main roster in January, and face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and maybe beat him. Oh, wow. I mean, he would be so damn over from the Smarks. Like, so over. And I would have to believe he could win over any level of casual fan instantly with the bro routine. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. But I don't know where Vince's head is at. I don't know how much of Raw is Heyman or Vince. I don't know if Vince is still alive right now. But this weekend at Bernie's right now, I'm not really sure. But uh, let me let me ask you something. Now that you've caught up on SmackDown, right? What did you think of the trio of returns? Obviously, the Usos was good. Sheamus uh, and John Morrison, though. I'm curious. Uh, Sheamus doesn't move me. I mean, it's fine. We're going back to the old. Okay, that's fine. Oh, he's 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 dastardly. Whatever. I mean, look, Sheamus is who he is. Cesaro is who he is to me. That they're sort of, they're there. Okay, we love them, but they're there. Let's be honest. Uh, John Morrison is going to be interesting. How they spin that out. Um, I, I liked it so far. I almost instantly felt like he wasn't up to 2019 microphone speed in, in WWE that like yep. there was yep. like a decided fallback. And also, you know, he's put on a lot of muscle since his innovative high-flying days. Like, he's been gone from WWE so long, and I tweeted this out. When you're hearing Todd Grisham's calls be, be thrown into sizzle reels, right? You're like, damn, where's Evan Bourne? <laughs> like, this was a long-ass time ago. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I like John Morrison as a person. I loved him when he was on Survivor, a great CBS vehicle. I loved him uh, anytime I, I went back and watched Impact during those times he was there or anywhere else he was, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I, it remains to be seen if I'm going to think it's a giant success that they got him back. 
if they're pairing him with the Miz and they're going to use the Miz's mic work to get him over, that's great. But yeah, that back and forth, the one thing you can say, it did, well, it did not feel scripted. So it felt as if it was a bullet point situation where they told those guys just go out there and get this done and Morrison was, got lost twice. Yeah, um, yeah he got lost. He definitely so, got but, lost. But it was, it, it was entertaining to the point where it's like, okay, this guy's back. I'm curious what he can do now, what he's going to look like. And, you know, not credit, I guess, discredit to WWE production. He does a sick, like, parkour move, flipping over those stairs, and they missed it on a live broadcast. Yeah, they had to show a replay of it. So. All right, I want to close with this, Silver King. We did yeah. our whole awards thing, Adam Cole, Chris Jericho, Monster Years. Who do you think was the male 2019 WWE main roster MVP? Wrestler of the Year, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it, would be, it would be Daniel Bryan. I mean, you know, a lot of me would want to give it to Kofi, but... You know that run. It, it the 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 run until Mania and the first couple of months after the Orton feud, damn good. Uh, but it got really stale. They didn't book him well enough for him to kind of carry that mantle. Whereas Daniel Bryan, the reinvention uh, into a heel for the first half of the year, the continuation of that, all the gimmick work with Reigns, even though it didn't pay off. Um, Brian was absolutely incredible on the mic, great in the ring, put together a couple of great, fantastic matches, uh, and even going into the Adam Cole match. He ended the year strong, too, with Adam Cole. So it's probably Daniel Bryan. If it wasn't Brian, though, I mean... Fiend. It's Kofi. Brian or Fiend to me. Kofi's in the discussion, but it's got to be Brian or Fiend to me. Fiend made such an impact. He was the breakthrough, though, or whatever we called him. He can win them all. He was the comeback. He, he, he can win comeback, every bro. single one. All right, I, I set that up to say... Who do you think will have the biggest year, male, main roster, WWE? Who's your MVP pick as we start 2020? We're seeing the beginning of the build to Rumble and Mania. Who, who do you think will get it? Because Rollins, as we just talked about, got the booking, didn't deliver in an MVP run last yeah. year. Uh, I think it's Seth Rollins. He, you, you can make an argument, if you want, for Reigns and Corbin is doing good heel work, whether you like him or hate him. But the most interesting thing... <clears throat> excuse me, of the first two weeks of 2020 has been Seth Rollins. He is natural as a heel. Um, They're allowing him to do what he does best. And I don't know if, if there'll be a title run situation, um, getting the title off Brock's an impossible task, so who the hell knows what they're going to do. But if Brock can take a break from the title picture, which he does not need to be in, then Seth Rollins, as of right now, is set up to be the top male superstar of 2020 in WWE for me. I want to kind of pose the exact opposite question to UBC because I think we would... Probably agree had we done an award that Becky Lynch was the top female of 2019. Um, who is it going to be in 2020? Is she going to just keep carrying that mantle? Because you saw that freaking promo on Monday night, dude. Uh, I'll tell you quickly. It should be Banks. Sasha should get the booking she finally deserves. I wish it would be Asuka, and I hope it would be Asuka. I hope she'll get the booking to back up how strong her performances have been. But it could end up being wide, wide open for either Becky or Charlotte because both are going to get insanely great booking. What about Shayna Baszler? I don't know. I don't. I have res reservations on what she's going to be able to do on the main roster. Like, I'm not saying she's going to turn into Tamina in six months, but I got <laughs> reservations on what she's going to do there. You're going to need really special booking. You may need Rousey. You may need Rousey. You may. You may I need it. I do agree with your Banks point. If I had to make a pick, it would be her. Um, but dude, Becky, like the last two weeks, and especially last night, Monday night, she's starting Woo! strong. That was a hell of a promo. That was amazing. Uh, 60 seconds or less. This is the final question. 
off the top of your brain, no preparations. I watched Braun Strowman on Friday night, and I was taken aback at how completely unmoved I am when he walks on the screen. Like, they have just watered him down to the level where I don't care in either direction. I don't hate him. I don't love him. I don't want him. Extreme character makeover Brock Le- or Braun Strowman in 2020. What do you do? You can do anything. You can cut his hair. You can change his name. What are you doing? Uh, you get rid of the, like, camo pants that aren't camo pants. You stop Get These Hands. You stop all the gimmick stuff. Just like with Reigns, I want I want the vest gone. I want all that BS gone. Get Put him in something, like, we saw a suited Joe Annoy uh, or however you say his last name, back in NXT, right? He looked great, and you're like, wow, this guy can pull off more than a dumb, like, tactical vest look. Uh, Braun, you got to completely change his look. You can keep the character, you can keep the music, you can keep the same guy, but, you know, you have to make this guy someone that people can believe in because they ruined him against Reigns, and they ruined him against Brock Lesnar, and now all he is is a get-these-hands gimmick on a really big guy who fights and loses to Tyson Fury for blood money. Yeah, he's Big Show, basically, but unfortunately he's end of career young. Big Show. At and he's young. Point. Right, he's, he's way too young uh, to be that. Give him a title. He's Silverstein yeah. Adam on Twitter. You know and love him. Safe travels back. From New Orleans, Silver King. Absolutely. Don't die like the fake Laparca. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hope not to, BC. Thank you. Um, but uh, we're Silver King, unfortunately, in 2019. So yeah, rest in peace to him as well. Uh, no, uh, New Orleans is great. Make it part of your travel plans in the year 2020. All right, many thanks to the Silver King, okay? Silver King and I can agree to disagree. We can agree on things. We can just straight up disagree because we're men. We agree to disagree. We have a fight. We have an adult beverage. Whatever. Right. Man to man. That's how men do. Mano y mano. Okay. That's, that's how that's we not do. The, that's not the way he does it. No, no. He's so, a wuss. No, stop that. He's talking about Hogan, right? Be a man, Hogan. Yeah, Terry. He's talking about Terry. I'm talking about Silver King, my man, my man. Good little chat there. Hope you enjoyed that. I want to do a little DM sliding, okay? Because this is for the people and by the people. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? It is Johnny Boy. And, uh... Thank you. As always, you 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 folks drive the show, and I don't even think you really realize that, right? I wouldn't do it if you didn't download, if you didn't send your feedback, good or bad, if you didn't send your questions. I love hearing from you. How about from the unruly at Wolf Pack's own? Love that name, by the way. He says, cue up Sasha, cue up the sirens, cue up Daniel Bryan, feel that, cue up Batista, give me what I want, because Buddy Murphy is indeed going to be raw, uncensored sex. Now that he will be with Seth in the AOP. Wow. Wolfpack's own is frisky's fired the heck up. Indeed. Obviously, I hit you off the top with my thoughts on Buddy Murphy. Talk to Adam as well. Um, so fired up where this is going. Man, a Mega Powers explosion with him and Seth would be absolutely massive. Something I want to sort of spin off on this topic. Uh, why do I love Buddy Murphy? Because he's the freaking coolest guy wrestler in the world okay you can say he's sort of wwe's answer to kenny omega in some ways but he's jacked he can talk and man can he work but why do we fall in love with wrestlers to begin with um because there's some part of us that looks at them as like idols and it's still kind of real to us as adults why why would we watch in our 40s these men in underwear doing these theatrical plays because it's in our bloodstream, and I think the basis of that is sort of a hero worship. Let me put it to you like this. I've been covering boxing and MMA, and I'm, and I'm so happy to have been for a decade, okay, or more or less. I got over the star-struck thing early. Worked at ESPN for a 
dozen years, met everybody. Yes, there's certain people that are just different. Like Daryl Strawberry, my childhood New York Mets baseball hero. It was different when I met him. It caught me off guard. It was like, oh my God, I'm starstruck. Okay. Everybody else, you just get used to it. I've met every boxer, MMA guy, old, young, in between. I met them all. It's your job in the end, because I think at the end of the day, I respect and love what they do, but I don't want to be them. Yet when I started covering professional wrestling in 2016 for ESPN, I would go to these events, WrestleMania, or go to or have, you know, phoners with with WWE Superstar. And it caught me off guard every time. Oh, you you can say what you want. BC, you're, you're a fanboy. You're a mark. You're all this stuff. Well, uh, newsflash, we all are because we're adults and we're watching this still. I'm just saying there was a error when I meet these guys of like, odd, not starstruck, but just an odd feeling you get of excitement. And I think it's because that's who we all want to be. We all want to walk out there ripped with our shirt off and throw our hands up and have the crowd go crazy. And these guys are, are actors and heroes at the highest level you know, a different kind of sort of movie star. And it's just this weird thing. And I think that's what we identify when we pick the guys that are our guys that we love. And Buddy Murphy just ekes out cool. Now, I said this on the podcast last week, talking about New Japan, that look, say what you want about Jay White. And by the way, he's improved a ton as a worker. He might be the coolest wrestler in the entire world right now. When you're just talking about look and swagger and the way he carries himself. No, not not Jake Hager, not Jack Swagger. I'm talking about the way he carries himself. Buddy Murphy has that. Okay, it's the it's that thing that you can't put a uh, uh, uh you know you know you know exactly what it is. Okay, it. it's it. Yep, it is. Okay, just say it. Right. Why don't you just spit it out? Yep. Yep. Why don't you just talk straight to me and quit beating around the bush? What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that the coolest wrestlers in the world right now that just have that it and swagger, and it's different for everybody. But for me, for my fandom, it's Jay White. It's Buddy Murphy. It's Tama Tonga and NJPW. And I don't care if you hate them. The guy reeks cool. It's Scorpio Sky in AEW. It, he just looks like he's got his ish together and he's a badass. And obviously it helps when you watch him work and talk. And one more guy. And my boy, gentleman, Jack Crosby, does not agree with this. Um, are the Forgotten Sons a lame tag team or group, as Adam Silverstein would say in NXT? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're real lame, okay? They're forgotten. That's why they're called the Forgotten. They're basically Al Snow's Job Squad 2.0. Sorry, Wesley Blake, okay? You're the Genetti. This is Buddy Murphy's era. Um, but that third guy who kind of acts like a like a manager in some way, who's got the long beard and the tats and the jacked look. Jackson Riker, I don't care if you don't like that team. I don't care if you don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think care if you think he can work or not. That guy looks like a badass professional wrestler. Every time I see him, I go, I want to be that guy right there. It is what it is, okay? Some people look at Alexander Wright. They want to be that guy, okay? That's Wonder Kid. It's fine. It's fine. Everybody's different. But uh, it's still in us, and that's why we watch, and that's why we care about this ish all right moving on quickly here dm slide from it's grant at got to bg he says between age and ability tyler Bate might end up being an all-time great something i will talk about with gentleman jack and uh yeah man the string of great matches he's putting together great matches he's unassuming because tyler Bate is 22 years old he's got those jack uh uh legs going on there with 
but uh, he has a formula of how to put together great matches and how to ooze that sort of like, I, I'm into the story. I believe what you're doing. I bought in. I want this. He's top shelf. He's top shelf right now. And it's interesting to see where his career could go. He's got a little bit of a size problem. Could he be a, a long-time star on NXT proper? Could he? I mean, what could he be? Where's wrestling going to be 10 years from now? The guy's only 22. You talk about the foundation of a resume that you're building and the potential. Oh, my gosh. Love the DMs. Continue to send them at CBS DM season is and is always upon us. But coming right up, it's our boy Outback Jack talking all things Wednesday Night Wars. Enjoy. All right, you know I want to talk about my favorite thing in pro wrestling, and that's the Wednesday Night Wars. As I mentioned many times in this pod, I'm back. I'm back with a bank, folks. I caught up on like seven straight AEW episodes I missed in the last two days. I'm fired up. Let me bring in that third man right now to do this. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on What here? the hell is going on here? It's Black Jack Crosby. We got a cold yingling. Online here with you right now. What's going on? I know it's daytime, Jacko. Oh God, it's oh, it's just a little after ten thirty in the morning. But after the college football championship game last night and the season coming to an end, I wish I yes. did. Yes. Uh, are you? What's your uh, yinger of choice? It's black and tan for life, right? I go the black. The, it, it depends. If it's just a if it's just a couple that relax, it's the black and tan. But if I'm out for a night, you got to go the regular yingling. Yeah. Okay. I'll stand by the lager, but not the the piss colored one. What's that called? The the regular. Oh one? yeah. They, no, they just they just released it like two years ago, I think. The, the oh sh- gold golden something. I had it once. What was golden it? My jam. I'm like I this is. Cool. I said this is not my lager. Uh, the Lord Chesterfield, nah, uh-uh. No, uh. I don't like that one either. Nah, uh-uh. Okay, okay. Let's talk about things that get me excited, right? Are you kidding me? Stick it right in me, right? Whoa, 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 hold whoa, on. Whoa, 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 Not that excited. Uh, Jacko, my slacks, not my pants, although those have been soiled a few times. My slack messages were blown up because you sat there Sunday and watched live this quasi-Wednesday Night War extension that was all things NXT UK TakeOver uh, Blackbird 2, whatever it's called. Carpool, Blackpool. I don't know what it was called. I skimmed it, Jack. You know, look, there's only so many hours in a week. I skimmed it. The skimmage, the resin that I put into my screen. Oh, my God, Jack. That was an amazing pay-per-view for a plethora of reasons. First of which, noon Eastern time on a Sunday. Like, that was just heaven to me. Thank you, Paul. And Paul, we trust. Thank you. You know, I I, I advocated. Let's do every WWE pay-per-view in the United Kingdom. That was, it was so refreshing. The noon, you wake up, you have your coffee, you watch some great pro wrestling, and by about 3 o'clock, you say, okay, I'm done for the day. Not related, but kind of related. You know, in boxing, we had the Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz Jr. rematch from Saudi Arabia on DAZN. And because yep. of the Saudi money they got, they didn't do it in prime time in the States. They did it like afternoon, head to head with the SEC championship on CBS. And yet it did their biggest numbers for the entire year in any sport across U.S. and Canada and zone, I believe. Um, people want to watch things when they're actually awake. I think that's really where, where this is going. Well, well, and to WWE's credit, main roster credit, they've done a good job lately, if you've realized, Brian, of cutting down 
like stuff like elimination chambers and stuff like that, they'll end at like 10, 15. I'm, I'm all for it. Which needed to happen. Like they've done a good job with that lately. But yeah, if, if we could have stuff outside of this country in the middle of the day, like we saw with Joshua Ruiz, I did a big time heavyweight boxing match, four titles on the line, but four o'clock in the afternoon. Give it to me. Give it to me. Uh, as Dave Batista would grossfully say a few times. Give me what I want. Thank you. Give me what I want. That was a, uh, a soundbite from his uh, phone talks with Dana Brooke, mind you there, Jack. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Jack, I want to get into specifics, but I want to peripherally say this. The look of the UK takeover. Dynamite in that old ass hall. The announced team, Tom Phillips, where you been all my life? Love him. Tom Phillips and Nigel hit a damn home run. So my macro question here is, the quality of this show was off the charts. Yes, it's aimed at Smarks, but it's Smarktastic. What can we do in an era where there's already too much wrestling to get this UK-ish like into my life because I don't have the time to watch it? I, it's 205 Live to me in terms of the uh, amount of time I have to watch it, but... uh. I want more, Jack. It's tough. It really is because that show was that was a phenomenal show. The the first two NXT UK takeovers were phenomenal. Like they're takeovers. They're like they're they're required now to be. There's no way they cannot be amazing wrestling shows. But the, it's they're they're having a really hard time of getting people to get invested in that the TV product. Me me included. I mean it's. It airs every Thursday at 3 Eastern time. But even then, it's just, I've tried a few times. It's just like, ah, it's a, so I can find a, better things to do. What's the difference in quality between a UK takeover and the UK weekly show compared to the difference in quality of the stateside NXT? Right? I think what it is, part of it at least, is like you said, they they cater to a smart-tastic crowd. But even like the, the NXT UK guys aren't as well known as what, Triple H brings into NXT proper. These guys that have made big names for themselves on the American independent scene. I mean, they've worked overseas and everything, but guys like Matt Riddle, Adam Cole, like they're even without the WWE machine behind them, they were stars to begin with. Whereas what Triple H is trying to do with NXT UK, it's like just that British contingent, well, United Kingdom, whatever you want to call it, the United Kingdom contingent. They're good. They're good wrestlers, but they're not big time names. And they're, he's trying to establish. And it's just when you have so much wrestling to watch in a week to begin with, maybe you turn on NXT UK. Maybe that's what happens to me in my subconscious. I turn it on. I'm like, I would like to know where some of these guys are going, but I really don't care. Fair. And then a secondary problem out of that is you do have the established name, say like a Tony Storm. But then what happens is you say to yourself, well, <laughs> absolutely. But that was warranted. That was that, that was definitely warranted, especially after last week's NXT, which we'll get to. Yeah, but, well, we might get to that on, but uh, that's, on, that's on the, State of Combat After Dark. We may have to get to that <laughs> conversation. But that actually speaks to the point of, like, you see somebody like a Tony Storm over there or a Tyler Bate, which we, oh, that's a kid we will get to in a minute. But you say to yourself, well, I'd rather see them on NXT over here in full sale, or I'd rather see them on the main roster. Like, you don't want to see them over there. You think they're being belittled by having to stay in the, it's it's a tough product to get used to but final point here wwe i don't watch the weekly show but they again they did a fantastic they know people don't watch the show because two days before they put on the network uh, a prime target special it was called yes. where they ran down in 40 minutes every single storyline for every single match and it was you didn't have to watch weeks of nxt uk 
You watched that for 40 minutes, you were ready to go. All right, and I, and I like that they did use the regular NXT episode to sort of serve as a UK go-home in some respects. Um, part of what made it, like I said, the feel, the, the building, but that audience, the chair that they did to start that Tyler Bate match, which goes down as sort of the match of the night, and like you just said, even if we don't have a reason to or the time to watch the weekly product, you now have to watch the UK takeovers. They are in that category now of things we need in our life. Like, yes, I'd love it if the only wrestling we had access to was NJPW, NXT, and NXT UK, right? It'd be an AEW. It'd be a great life. But um, that crowd energy, what was that about? Who did Bate, I love him. Who did Bate wrestle? What's that fellow's name? Jordan Devlin. Jordan Devlin. Uh, so the match is insane. You can talk about that. But just that chant to start it, like... The feels, the feels that it, the, the British crowds. I love them. I really do. Like, I know it's tough and I know I've said it before. They deserve a WrestleMania. I know they're begging for it. They deserve a WrestleMania. They really, really do. And we just talked about the time on, on a sudden, like the, the, uh, the time zone difference. Like that would be amazing for us in its own right. If you start, but they really do this because they're, they love it when WWE goes over there and they especially love it. These UK takeovers because they feel it's, theirs they own it so we talk all the time about a big part of a wrestling show isn't just the two guys in the ring or the referee or the commentators it's the fans like how many times do we watch raw and it might be a good raw it might there might be some great matches on it but if the crowd is sitting on their hands yeah it takes a lot away from it but these guys when you get that rock hulk hogan moment where before the bell even rings the people are standing on their feet and they know they're about to see something special and they're chanting and cheering and singing. I love those British people. I told my wife, because she was watching with me, I said, we're moving to Blackpool. <laughs> I love it. Shout out to Mrs. Crosby on that one. Uh, Tyler Bate, something that you tweeted out was essentially uh, right on, by the way. So I always said the greatest thing we got from uh, this UK expansion was Pete Dunne. I mean, like, he's just giving you top shelf yeah. every time. But don't forget about Tyler Bate. He co-authored that triple that trilogy they had. And somehow the guy's only 22, Jack. How is this possible? You know, I was thinking about it, and I, I tweeted it out. And you, you retweeted me. You saw, you saw it. You endorsed me. When I said, we don't talk enough about how great of a professional wrestler this kid really is. And, you know, we just got done doing the year-end awards and wrestler of the decade and wrestler of the year. And it sucks because you can't. You can't bring Tyler's name up because he hasn't done as much work as the other guys. Yet when he gets in the ring in these big moments, he reminds you that he very well, Brian, I mean, he very well may be a top five professional wrestler in the world right now. Uh, That sounds a lot like me saying Juice Robinson's top 10. I still stand by this. Every single time he gets in there, though, you look at him and you go, how are you so good at how are you so good at your job? Remember him and, and you're only 22 years old. Him and Walter. That is still, like I said, one of the greatest professional wrestling matches I've seen in my 30 plus years on this earth. That was wow. Wow. But him and Devlin, they put on a show. And Dev- I love Devlin too. Like Devlin, I was thinking because he's been in NXT UK for a while now. Like he was one of the originals. He was one of the the foundations of that brand. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it, even if NXT proper. Just to sidetrack on Devlin a little bit. If you wanted to give old Fergal a stable, give him his oh. son. Give him his son. Let let Jordan go work with him. Oh, 
yes, yes. Bring him over here to like it like maybe you throw a tap, but bring Jordan over here, let him work with his daddy. I like it, I like it, where you're going it, with this. I like where you're going with this. Yes. Let, I, yo, and I were still let him do that. I see what you're hiding right now, and I want you to take it out. Just whip it out and give it to me. Thank you. Uh that match was friggin' through the roof. That ladder match was insane. Is there any other matches it, as I skim that I missed that well, are like our listeners need to go back and watch right now? One quick point about the the ladder match was good, but I think we as fans, we need to stop doing something that we did with this match. Every time we hear the words ladder match, we we immediately think we're getting Sean Razor. We imme- that's not all. There were a lot of bl- blunders in this in this match. But again, four when you have four teams trying, that's going to happen. It's not going to be perfection. Although Mark Coffey fall, collapsing through the table, that was hilarious. <laughs> I skimmed but and they, only they, saw they, the big spots. I didn't get the they, full feel of the match. Well, basically, Brian, really quick. Uh, Flash Morgan, Webster, and Mark Andrews had a ladder set up on the outside. They had two tables laying across the ring of the barricade. They had Mark Coffey on one and Wolfgang on the other. Well, Coffey laid down on his table, and they were each going to jump off the side of the ladder. Coffey w- laid down on his table, immediately went through it. Yeah, The table just yeah, snapped right. in half. Could have used but that it, table in the first Hell in a Cell women's match between Sasha and Charlotte. Yes, oh, I forgot you. about that. But uh, but no, the latter the latter match was good. Uh the main main event was good. Thank you, Walter, because the only problem I have now we have a we have a bad pattern here. There have been three takeovers for the UK. Joe Coffey has been in two of the main events. Not ready for prime time, Jack. He, oh, he's not. I, I I like the guy. I like the guy in ICW. I liked what he was doing in Scotland, and all, he, he he's a good worker. And I I like the Triple H decided to build around him a, a little bit. But now we have two main events against two exceptional workers of this generation, and Pete Dunne and Walter, and it just eh. yeah. it's tight. Like t- take Coffee out of the main event. Like let's, let's, that, that was it. Give let's not do this done. again. Give us the good stuff. Uh, listeners, please check out that on the WWE Network. Definitely worth your watch. Jacko, uh, I got to talk AEW. I got to talk State of the Union on AEW booking with you. I'm really friggin' excited, Jack. Yes, I went back and saw the episodes that should give me a ton of pause. And yes, it did. That Dark Order invasion to close that show three weeks ago was just straight cringe. And a real big problem when we can get into it, yes or no, I don't know, is that the Dark Order does not have a credible villain to front that. So much of the foundation of what AEW is doing in some of these things I love, the foundation of what the Dark Order is, the the commercials, all that recruitment is great. The execution because of the members, no. Same thing could be said for the other big cringe sore thumb that comes out of AEW, which is Brandy and her dark satanic faction. Luther? Dynamic, amazing. The bald chick, love it. Brandy, get off my screen. Get off my life, unfortunately. Uh, I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? No, no, Brandy. I'm not all in on this. But, Jack, am I more predetermined to forgive AEW in the same way that maybe our colleague Adam Silver King is in forgiving Raw and SmackDown? Maybe. I'm just saying this. I just power watched like a legit five and a half episodes (laughs) over the last few days. I could not be more excited about where AEW is going how they could fix their mistakes, and the personnel they do have, and to take what already is working, talk me off of this ledge of full-on revolution injected into my veins right now. I love where this is going. 
Well, I, I've told I've told you this offline, and now I can say it on the show. Stop using the word revolution, because it, here's how here's the best I can put it. Like you, I you love AEW. No, no, sorry, we're not. <laughs> I love AEW because it gives me the alternative we've been asking for. Like you and I, we, we said, give us a WCW, give us just something that when we turn it on, it's completely different. But. And I don't get why people are so surprised about this. They're saying, well, AEW is not delivering on its promises. Well, duh. They, look, they had no. They're on TNT. Everyone expected that we were going to get like an NXT, like we just like an NXT takeover every single Wednesday night on Dynamite. Just bang, five star match. It's still a pro wrestling television show. They have to do the like. And, and, and again, that's partly AEW's fault where they sort of maybe whether directly or indirectly said, yeah, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you this. And then they didn't. But it's like I forgive that because I'm like, look, I forgive you guys because there was no way you were going to pull that off in the first place. Sure. I'm not stupid. I know that. But the biggest problem I have with AEW, like I've told you countless times in the past, is as much as people rag on WWE who – 90% of the time does it the wrong way. There needs to be one creative direction in that company. And you could tell right now when you watch Dynamite every week that there's not. Yes. It's free reign. I showed you a tweet from someone I forget who, who put it best when he said it's like there's five bookers in that promotion. And in one episode of Dynamite, they're trying to get five of their things over. And it's, yeah, and you're it seeing just too comes many, across as messy. Like we want, I just talked with Adam. We want more factions in WWE, and we're starting to see that. And it's great. Yeah. AEW's throwing almost an NJPW level of faction <laughs> yes. at you, and they're too similar. The too many cooks in the kitchen seems right. It feels like well, Cody and Arn and, and Tully are doing this. Well, Kenny's got the girls. Well, the tag teams are doing their own booking, and it's like I could, I need cohesion there. Here's why I'm more forgiving at its base and core, Jack. Okay. Yep. AEW is the mistress we needed. We have all been in bed and married with WWE forever. It could be our only marriage. It could be the predominant one, whatever. This is is the, the side chick. This is the one that just, <laughs> oh, does things differently, but does things differently in such an organic and fresh way. Here's why. And it, it's no secret, right? The fact that WWE so overscripted, things all taste the same. Things all feel or, uh unorganic they feel like people are acting for the most part the times when they don't it jumps out and sticks out like a like a great sore thumb you're like that felt fresh yeah i get the feeling that almost all of AEW feels fresh every time i'm watching it the fact that these people while they're hitting and missing are being allowed to be who they want and think they should be listen to darby allen's interview on chris jericho's podcast this week for a much deeper dive on that i feel like that freshness alone is allowing me to go with the growing pains and see the brighter future because it's just too much control in the main roster setting on WWE. Yeah, that's why I said it's a slippery slope because AEW's doing it the wrong way now, but WWE, does. they have to find the middle ground. That, that's, that's all they have to do. And I understand that's not an easy ask by any means. I've never ran a pro wrestling show in my life, and I, I don't think I ever want to. Like... I don't think I would ever want that job. You just want to critique it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's yeah I'd rather just critique it than try to figure out how to do how to do one show for, say, 35 different wrestlers and make sure they're all happy. You know what I mean? But but they but they do have to find a middle ground because it is it 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 comes off as convoluted. But for every 
two guys you're going to find like you and I who are forgiving of that because I will watch a dynamite and go, yeah, that sucked and that sucked, but bah, I'm still happy. Well, the point yeah. is I'm still entertained <laughs> while I can tell you I'm going to use a great example. Moxley saying no finally to Jericho after leading us to believe that he's joining the inner circle. It closed AEW this past week. And then you're waiting. And then you're like, oh, my God, are they really? Is he really joining? Like, this is the blow off. And then he turns and he hits him with the bottle. It wasn't done great. It was sloppy. It was played with your emotions almost in the wrong way. Yet, Jack, I was entertained the whole damn time. And obviously, people have the same affinity and patience and tolerance for Raw and SmackDown because the ratings are solid. The merch is selling. People can watch this stuff and go, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it because AEW has captured a feeling of fun. Jack, I cannot fast forward through any of it. There's more going on during the commercial sometimes than goes on in two hours of SmackDown, and you know I'm right. You know, you brought up something there that we're, we're talking about creative for AEW. There's a common theme here, Brian, when it comes to the entertaining segments on these Dynamites. Or who's always the one involved? Uh, the who, most, who? usually the most entertaining segments. Jericho. Yeah. I, I don't know if he would... What like may, if you're Tony Khan, do you ask him more like Chris? Do you want to take on some sort of booking role ah. for this show? Like, do do you maybe want to, or at least have more input instead of saying, "All right, Chris, here's the say. All right, you get together the segment with you and Cody, or you and Moxley, or whatever, and then all right, the Bucks will take care." Of it. No, instead of say, Chris, what do you think we should do with the Bucks and Lucha Brothers this week? Like, well, what do you think we should do? Because you start to see patterns, and it's like, all right, we're, we're always talking about this, too, on this show. Chris Jericho this, Chris Jericho well, yeah, that. That was his, great. Chris Jer Jack, you listen to his podcast long enough, you'll hear that he essentially, every great thing that happened in WWE over the last seven years, he was the guy who went up to that guy and said, hey, maybe you should think about doing this. Because because uh, it, 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 there are some glaring differences between some of the stuff that's absolute dog crap and the stuff that's great, which usually involves. And when it comes to Jericho, I'm not just talking about the wrestling part of it. I'm talking about these, these, you know, corny uh, com comedy segments yes. that he's doing. They're, they're, they're genuinely great stuff on TV. So I don't know, maybe you ask him, but as far as general issues within AEW right now that need to be addressed, it it's gotta be the creative because as entertaining as some of these shows are, they are convoluted at times. Oh, and they are. It, the, it, the attacks and all that. And they're and it's not like they are. They're not reinventing the wheel. It, they're and, using WWE tropes. Like I said, they're just doing it under it, a different label. And I get their mind is in the right place with this. Like when these people are showing up, like the, when the Dark Order did it, Double or Nothing. Yeah, when, when they did it, Double or Nothing and uh, Luther just this past week. The Blade and the Bunny, that run in, all that. Blade, yeah. They've told Excalibur. To basically, as soon as these people come out, explain who they are. That's not the best idea, though. Because you still have people going, all right, cool. We still don't know who the hell that is. Then you even have, you know, drunk-ass Jim Ross on commentary going, <laughs> ah, I don't care. Who? Who? I don't, I don't care. Like, he doesn't even give a, he doesn't even give a damn. But it's better, I think, if you're, it's okay to debut these new people that you think have a future. In some sort of role with this company. But debut them, leave people wondering, hey, who the heck was that? And then over the course of the next few weeks, gradually explain who they are. Don't have Excalibur go, hey, you idiots. All right, this is Japanese deathmatch legend Luther. <laughs> 
hey, ain't that Braxton Sutter from TNA? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. It's like you got to chill a little bit. Like, what it, because you're not accomplished. They, I, I get where the, they're coming from, but they're not really accomplishing anything because you still have people going, all right, cool, you gave us a name, but we still don't know who that is. Yeah, it's a weird recipe. It's a weird soup right now. I, I hope they figure it out. There's so much, though, Jack, in my opinion, to love. And yep. to know they still could do what haven't done. Obviously, if I'm picking out one thing AEW has to do in 2020 to stand out, is force Kenny Omega to be Kenny Omega again <laughs> and and make him have high-level feuds in which when you are paying it off at a pay-per-view, he goes out and gives you NJPW-level six-star potential matches. And yes, they have the friggin' workers to do that. I mean, I forgot they even had Neville, and suddenly the king of the damn cruiserweight right. shows up in an interview the other day. So that's obviously there. Workers are there. Rising young talent that I need to see, like MJF, Sammy Guevara, they're there. The number one thing they have going for them, though, this tag team division, Jack, I've never not been entertained, okay? I just watched five episodes in a row, and because they don't have monthly pay-per-views, because they're, like... That means that you can have in your weekly show a match that is pay-per-view quality and really, really matters. And they have achieved because of this win-loss record. It's been clunky seeing the win-loss records, but it's made the matches feel like every match is taking you closer to a title shot. So every time they open and often close a Dynamite with a tag team match, they tell you how far away the winner is from a title shot, and the match is typically through the roof great. You remember that Texas death fight or whatever it was that LAX had with I the Bucks? It. I mean, it feels like I'm getting that match every week from the Luchas, from the yeah. Bucks, from SCU. Dude, this is like reinventing tag team wrestling all over again. And again, not everything has to be a five-star spot fest. Like you did that death. I love the spot where Matt Jackson put on the Cowboys helmet in front of the Dallas people. Like that was hilarious to me. Like, in a death match, he throws on a Dallas Cowboys helmet to get the cheap pop from the crowd. But that's pro wrestling. Yeah. It's not, it's not always these five-star matches. That It's still entertainment. And, yes, the tag team division is good. But, Brian, I, I, I don't want to bring this down. But, again, this is the state, it, this is the state of AEW. So we got to talk about the issues. The most egregious issue in this goddamn company right wow. now. Wow. Wow. What the hell? You promised me. You promised me a women's division that was going to be, that was going to blow my mind. I get that on Wednesday nights when I turn to USA. Uh, I get that on Wednesday nights when I turn to USA. But you guys, what, and, and again, main problem is Stephanie McMahon Jr. has to get off of my uh, television. God, Jack, it's, I love Brandy. I loved Brandy's valet work with Cody and NJPW more than anyone could love anything, and I want her out of the company yeah, now. This, this is you. First off, you took a You took something that was already controversial because you promised Chris Statlander versus Riho for the title for that New Year's Day show. You you somehow forgot that Statlander was booked for friggin' Joey Ryan's promotion in mm. California inside of a bar. For Christ's sake. And then you said, oh, we're sorry. We can't give you this match that's advertised. But, 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 we'll do it next week. Right. Okay. All right. So you blew. But what they pulled on Wednesday, Brian, there, there's no excuse for that. There was no excuse for that whatsoever. Look, there was no excuse for Brandy's crap commentary during it. There was no excuse to ruin a match like that. You could have done a po If you wanted to do the angle, fine. 
Don't ruin the match. Do it post-match. There's only two things that's working for the... There's three things that are working for the women's division, AEW, and everything else sucks. One, that's working. They're giving us less and less of it each week. Two, Sheeta <sighs> is a friggin' yes. star. <sighs> and that. And three... I don't mind the cut the hair of who you beat up gimmick and make some kind of headdress out of it. That's fine. But hey, Brandy, like, you ain't. Stephanie McMahon meets Lucha Vashon, Vish- uh, <laughs> so, like, stop. Stop. Please. Stop. Uh, Jack, it's... to fix the Dark Order. Oh, boy. There's rumors. All right? Uh, uh, I told you. I love the vignettes. The guy sitting in the hotel room and the TV screen turns into an infomercial. Uh, Evil Uno sitting at the table, at the desk of whoever this higher power is that they have. And he's quoting Matt Hardy catchphrases, which has a lot of people thinking because the broken one is close to being done with his WWE contract. Jack, if he goes to AEW and heads the Dark Order like some are hoping and continues all that genius stuff he was doing in TNA before he went to WWE and they tried it for a night and then gave up on it. This is going to be what? What word would describe it? Wonderful, Jack? What do you got for me? Controversial. Uh, It's tough. This one's tough, Brian. Well, first off, I mean... At least we know now, and I, I know you'll talk about this, at least we know now it's not the other rumor that Marty Skrull is behind the Dark Order because Ring of Honor decided to basically say, hey, you want to own the company? To stay? Please stay. Please stay. <laughs> Do you want to own it? Okay, fine. Here it is. You want some um, uh, some some shares? You want, what do you want? What do you need? What do you need to stay? <laughs> you, do you want to own Fox News? Fine. You want a Sinclair Cush- Bear Cushy? What do you need from us? Let's go. They gave Marty Skrull... 85 local Fox news stations, local Fox <laughs> stations. But uh, now it's going to be controversial because uh, it, it fits. It, it would fit. And it would be a very good way to salvage this dark order thing, which I've said before on this show, they, they went in reverse with what they're doing now with the dark order is what they should have done from the beginning. Slowly explain their motives and who they are yes. and, Work them in instead of have them attack on your very, very first pay-per-view show in your company's existence. And then just put them in these angles. They they're doing it in reverse with them. But, Brian, you, you got to admit, though, you, they're going to take the hit in the sense that they're not going to rely on former WWE stars to prop themselves up. And while I love Matt Hardy... And I love that broken character. I especially love what he did with it in TNA. He's not John Moxley. Remember how we said we have to be careful with who they cherry pick from WWE and for what purpose? John Moxley is just that, like we said, he's that next, he's that main level star that, yeah, so what? He's from WWE. If you, he's, a, he's just a friggin' star no matter where he goes. Matt Hardy's going to be looked at as the over 40 just WWE name, no matter what character he plays. Uh, Jack, if he could go back to that, the tone of his speech when he was with TNA Impact, when he would do real media interviews in full kayfabe and would just be exhilarating. I'm not saying, like, you know, if they just have to, they would just have to be really, really 
careful. I almost what it use if you used him in if most of his role was managerial to the Dark Order, I think that would be perfect. Maybe only let Matt wrestle on special occasions. Well, the problem have the with Dark that is, Order though, do the work. They don't have workers that I care about, and they don't have anybody on the microphone that I care about, and they don't have anybody, yeah, pun, pun not intended, well, evil enough to make see, me just, believe that they're legit. Even though I see, love I, the concept. Yeah, see, I disagree because one of the things that pain me about the Dark Order gimmick itself is that Uno and Grayson are fantastic wrestlers. So one of the frustrations I had was these guys are fantastic wrestlers. Like AEW to pluck them off the indie scene to bring them in was a great get. A great it was an underrated get. When I first saw them on Double or Die, I was like, oh that that the well the Super Smash Brothers they were no I said this this is good. This this is really good. But then you saddled them with the gimmick that you just bungled over and over and over and over. And I was like, yeah, these guys deserve better. But at the same time, though, they are a tag team. So they could use a single star in that group. And they just recruit another tag team in the Beaver Boys, which was kind of odd to me. But I, I guess it was part it was part of the story going on. But so they could use a single star in that group. But I, I just I would I think in the case of Matt and the broken character or some variation of it. He would just be better off being like a higher power man- manager type for the rest of the group. And then maybe try to see if there's anyone else on that roster or anyone else who happens to be a free agent you could bring in to do the brunt of the main event, you know, heavyweight singles work type deal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it goes back to like ideas like you can clown on the butcher bunny and the blade all you want. Presentation wise, they're impressive. They've had and a lot of good Williams. ideas that presentation and look. They look unique. They look non-WWE. It looks like, oh, who are these guys? I just need better execution. Hopefully, we'll get that. Jack, run out of time. I want to hit you real quickly here. Hit your, your pop level on NXT this week. Buddy. And the time splitters were back. Buddy. God damn. You know, nothing, because I, I, we go through it a lot. I've been watching so much wrestling for all my life, especially the independents. I love when you get the NXT, when they give me these feels. We have seen Jushin Thunder Liger wrestle under the WWE banner. They brought in Samoa Joe. They signed Kevin Steen when everyone said, look at that slob. He's too fat to work in WWE. Now he's one of their consistent top stars. Alex Shelley finally getting a chance to work for WWE. And he's already worked the match. He went on the road with Kushida to a Pittsburgh live event over the weekend and worked a match with his buddy. But the time splitters reunion, this is fantastic. Because everyone, when they said Kushida had a mystery partner, we all th- we all said, boy, it'd be cool if Alex Shelley was the partner, but ah, it won't be Kushida. It, it's just too. And when they announced Wednesday, hey, it's Alex Shelley. The WWE was nice enough to put out that who is Alex Shelley. But this is just it, Alex Shelley is one of the most entertaining workers of this generation. Everything wow, he's Jack. done. Wow. No, no matter. Oh, and as far as from an inbrinks, everything he's done. He's done. Look, do you know how talented you have to be? To have people remember you from TNA. That's a fair point. You realize point. how talented you got to be? That's a fair point. Even Okada couldn't have gotten remembered from TNA. Yeah, like so, you yeah. realize how, how, how much above other people you have to be to people say, oh, yeah, Alex Shelley, the guy from – like that's pretty talented. No, I, I'm excited about this. The, the Dusty Classic – I love the Dusty Classic. I'm just glad that the, the Sons of Anarchy forgotten whatevers, they're gone. Thank you, God. <laughs> More on that in the future, Jacko. Uh, Time is tight here, but great chatting with you at J Crosby CBS on Twitter. 
Uh, you can see his work on the Yes Network as an analyst as well, Jack. Uh, props to that as well. Uh, Wednesday nights, that's all we need in life. Thanks for oh. joining us, Jacko. Thank you, BC. All right, special thanks to my man, Jack Crosby. Wanted to close the show with my final thoughts on a few different topics going around the horn here. And uh, first of all, Chelsea Green has just turned herself into a must-see attraction every time she comes on the screen. I know she had that little bit of a Raw or SmackDown tryout a couple weeks back, losing quickly to uh, Charlotte Flair. But when she came on NXT this week, shout-out to Zack Ryder, by the way, and to have Robbie E from Impact in her corner. What is it, Robert Stone? Yeah, pop for that. I pop for that. She's got that it thing going on. So want to see where that is going. But look, big news this week was obviously Impact Wrestling's hard to kill pay-per-view on Sunday. By the way, I'm going to be fired up anytime you've got a pay-per-view named after a Steven Seagal movie. Okay, first of all, controversy here. This was to be, and it was, Tessa Blanchard going over in an intergender match after months and months and months of a build to, to show you that she is a legitimate professional wrestler, regardless of gender, against Sammy Callahan for that TNA Impact world title. No longer TNA, obviously. Impact champion. That lineage, by the way, that goes on and obviously has monster names going back over the last 20 years. Problem was the Twitter breakout a couple days before of Tessa Blanchard basically tweeting us women wrestlers got to keep stay together, protect each other, whatever. And a flood, Chelsea Green being one of them, by the way, a flood of professional wrestlers now with Impact and, and, and AEW or people that were with Tessa Blanchard, both in New Japan and Impact coming out left and right five six seven of them saying some very bad things saying i can't believe you can say that tessa when you did all these things to me there was a lot of bullying accusations there was of course the worst one was sort of straight up racist behavior spitting in the face using racist behavior uh language to another wrestler in japan um i don't know the truth to all that obviously when there's this level of smoke there's some form of fire and when you see tessa blanchard after she won the title Doing that sort of promo to the crowd, which is almost taking like a nobody's perfect stance, leads you to believe there's some level of discretion, which is probably, probably why for her being that talented, she's not in WWE right now, despite getting, you know, tryouts through the Mae Young Classic and they know who she is, obviously. But this was unfortunate on every possible level. If it's true or if elements are true, it's just unfortunate to see somebody act like that, somebody who somebody who's the daughter of Tully Blanchard, the granddaughter of Joe Blanchard, the stepdaughter of Magnum TA, that lineage there, that background, that pedigree. And it's obviously unfortunate that would come out and spoil what could have been a really cool moment. I want to say big, but it ain't really that big. We know it. Impact Wrestling has only a certain reach, even though they have a better TV deal now. Um, I was in on this from the beginning, this story that they're telling, because Here's the deal. Tessa Blanchard can really, really, really work. She's a freaking star in the making. When uh, Adam Silverstein and I were in New Orleans watching a WrestlePro show during WrestleMania weekend, we watched some eight-woman tag match. Tessa Blanchard was in there, and she stood out head and shoulders above everybody. The crispness, the confidence, the swagger. She's got all the its, okay? She's got everything. And... Look, WWE can pat itself on the back with women's revolution and evolution and put women in the main event at WrestleMania, which is great, and do an evolution pay-per-view and have women wrestle in Saudi Arabia and all this stuff. But some of that is forced and not real. 
or this is real what she did. This isn't, oh, China's such a freak and so strong that we'll put her in there and wrestle against the men and have her legitimately win a title. Something that happened was a big moment historically. This is Tessa Blanchard who's small but has all the, the things that you would need. And they put her in there in an intergender match. This isn't Joey Ryan grab the horn, so to speak, intergender type of matches, although he had some great ones with Candice LeRae and, and many more. But uh, this is real intergender. And they told a story in this match. I got a chance to watch it. That was legit. Sammy Callahan is a great heel. Great. I don't care if you hate him. I don't care if he goes too far. He knows what he's doing. He's got that sort of confidence in himself. And there were many of these storytelling moments of him spitting at her crotch, putting a middle finger to her face, basically saying, setting the stage that you can't do this. You shouldn't be here. And to have her overcome and fight through that, I was hooked on the story. The match was pretty damn good. Had some big spots. Had her coming back and selling the knee injury and winning it. It was a big moment, but obviously you didn't get to feel it and enjoy it and celebrate it like you would want to as a fan because of all this other stuff. And again, when there's this much smoke, there's got to be a certain level of fire. And I hate to hear that if somebody who I've got a lot of respect for as a performer maybe has some of these issues behind the scenes. But I loved what Impact did. I don't think it, it denigrated their women's title or their men's title. I think it was a, a good move. I think she's a star. I think she's going to be 15 years from now, right up there with the best of this era. So it was just unfortunate. And shout out to Sammy Callahan for selling the way he did in this whole feud and in this match. And I thought it was good business. And it's unfortunate where we're at. And I don't condone any of that behavior and really hope she can take a public stance of better apology if any of that is true. So far, she just seems to have straight up denied it on Twitter. It's just, it's just a bad look. It's just ugly. It's just not good. There is no racism here in the World Wrestling Federation. We don't allow it, we'll allow it under any circumstances. And that's the bottom line. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Vince. Hey, Marty Skrull, sought after free agent, re-signs with Ring of Honor. And it's big news because reportedly he gets WWE main roster level money and gets part of the book and gets put on the booking committee. And it's interesting. And of course, the Dave Meltzer's of the world come running out and, and really point out how limited the schedule is. So if you can get a sweetheart deal like this, where you're setting, really, you're preparing for a second career behind the scenes, you're going to get pushed as a star and you only have to work 40 or 50 dates a year. It's the same appeal that made all these AEW stars turn down the WWE offer. It's the same appeal that originally got Hall and Nash to want to leave their non-guaranteed WWF deal and work less states for more money with WCW and start that invasion revolution and all that. Um, it's interesting. The, the, you can say what you want about ROH's future, but they're in a bad spot right now. And yet they just signed up a good guy in Marty Skrull. And to see in the description of what his role will be now, it's not just one of the biggest names on the roster, if not the biggest, not just the guy who's going to be doing behind the scenes work. They want to work with the NJPWs and the AEWs and so on and so forth. And they want him to be that liaison. Obviously, we know he was uh, played a big role in the being the elite series. So you know what I feel about the idea of AEW and NJPW doing some kind of talent swap or whatever. This was interesting. And I hope more wrestlers in this era, as the bubble is wide and big right now and it hasn't burst and there's money everywhere, I hope more people get opportunities like this. Yes, there could be too many cooks in the kitchen like we're seeing in AEW right now. But you want to see wrestlers not have to do that 
WWE schedule, which has been absurd for many, many years. You love options and more things going on right there. Um, interesting, speaking of that AEW and JPW potential working together, Cody had an interview with the New York Post this week where he said, quote, I think the thing that was strange to me was people were asking for this really partnership. I don't know what a partnership would look like other than what you saw. Chris Jericho was part of the main events of Wrestle Kingdom. John Moxley was as well. They both were successful. It's public knowledge that some guys here, myself included, have exemptions to work NJPW. But I know that NJPW's focus is New Japan and AEW's focus is AEW. So more likely what a partnership would look like is perhaps some talent sharing, some shared creative, but we're not going to do a Super Clash 3 where Von Erich and Lawler are fighting over the title. Sorry, that's a real specific angle I brought up. I'm always hesitant to combine banners versus just respecting each other's banners, but I like how it's referred to as the forbidden door. I don't really think it's forbidden at all. End quote. Interesting. He nailed the part about how uneasy history is at promotions working together like this in an effort to sort of combine forces and fight against WWE. You're not going to see it. You're not going to see it with AEW and NJPW. Too many cooks in the kitchen, all those things. Ah, but God, a talent share at the big events would certainly help. It's interesting to hear both that Cody's on board and that he's still got it in his deal to work for NJPW again if he wanted to. A couple other quick shout outs. The respect that AEW is showing to Arn Anderson by making him an on-air contributor as Cody's coach. I know at first we were like, eh, I don't know. Do we need this? Do we want this? I'm enjoying it a lot. I love to see Arn Anderson get that respect in that close-up. He deserves it. It seems like the end of his WWE run from listening to him on his podcast, he did not feel appreciated for what he still could bring to the table. Love seeing that. Also want to shout out Taz a couple weeks back, filling in for Tony Schiavone on the AEW announce team. Uh, guys, can we do this more? Taz has a lot to give. Can we do this more? Love it. Need it. Want more. Indeed. Also interesting that the Revival, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet, have applied for a patent for the term Shatter Machine using the same lawyer that Cody did. Wow. Would that be their name if they went to AEW? What would they bring to this loaded AEW tag team division as it is the calling card of this promotion? The reason why I pop every week. Look, this this gets me excited. It has to. It should. It should be for you, too, as well. All right, folks, that'll do it. That'll do it on episode one of the new, 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 new SOC podcast, State of Combat. Thank you very much. I want to close and just thanks one more time to the supporters, the fans, the listeners uh, who followed me through my journeys of pro wrestling coverage and audio through the years to guys like Doug Spare Tire at Doug Couture on Twitter, who jumped in my DMs over the holidays when I was fighting the battle of pneumonia and the flu and really thinking, man, I might be done with this wrestling thing. I tried to turn on Raw and SmackDown. It, yeah, I just turned it off right away. Not in the best place. And that guy just reminded me why I do it. And a lot of you guys have reached out like that. We couldn't be here without the Mount Rushmore's, without the Tristan Adelano's holding up the signs in the crowd. So I'm back with a bang, slinging and bringing, hanging and banging. So glad you are still with us, following us for many years. Love it. Special shout outs to the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, Jack Crosby. Follow their work as well. Follow us on State of Combat on Twitter. Royal Rumble preview next week. Get fired up. But until then, I got a couple. I got a couple words for you. Goodbye and good night. Bad. Yeah, we out.